0: happy to have my old friend, Melanie Best here. It's part of our book club. And we're going to be discussing a really interesting book called What is Power by Byung Chul Han. Um, If you don't know much about Han, and I didn't until a little while ago, I guess I still don't really. He's um, of Korean descent, educated in Germany. He is Properly, a German philosopher. If you read him, you can see that he's trained in in that tradition. Um, something of a philosophy rock star, and I would say deservedly so. Um, and he writes these books. He's prolific, but these books are all like less than a hundred pages. They're they're very terse, very tight, very very clean prose. No uh, nothing wasted. So, um, maybe let's start Mel with what uh, what Han is, maybe we can make our way to what power is by talking about what it isn't.
1: That is how Han proceeds. Um, so it's kind of, um it's kind of ironic this this the way that he proceeds is by a way of bringing up things that Nietzsche thought or Heidegger or you know other people thought the power was and saying no it's not that um, so in the course of of thinking through these other other, theories of power or ideas of power notions of power then he he says no it's not that or or let's add this to that but it's really a process of saying no and 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 then saying not no not quite or rather this so it's this constant um which i just thought was funny because as he's characterizing power he continually iterates that it is not repressive, that it is not, at least certain kinds of power are not repressive. Um, so he's kind of combating this common idea of power as being about inhibition and repression, mm-hmm. That this kind of represents a false lens, but it's kind of funny that his method itself involves, I don't know, a... Um, uh, uh, going through these thinkers to say no
0: yeah i mean it's kind of a tour de force that way i mean the one thing that he keeps coming back to is that if we're going to say violence and repression or coercion is a form of power he'll say to the extent that it even is power it's very um he calls it unmediated and for being unmediated, it's not particularly effective. Because for one thing, it will always arouse resistance and pushback. So locking somebody up, throwing them against the wall, brutalizing them is not a particularly effective form of power in his mind. Which is really quite wild because when we talk power, many of us immediately, that's right where we go.
1: Doesn't it jibe with our experience, though, like, you know, that our ideas about power are like uh, uh, in kind of include that violent element. But then when you actually confront or a victim of violence or confront violence or enact violence, the weakness, the powerlessness of it becomes apparent. So that part of his that part of his theory holds up um, when tested against experience
0: yeah he even towards the latter part of the book he says that the enforcers of power are actually it reveals an internal weakness
1: um, it's interesting because I guess that's related there are all these there are these kinds of um, Lines or oppositions or lines in which, so violence appears on one side as the least mediated form of power, the most direct and physical. And then the most mediated form of power appears on the other end of that, which would be um, invisible and in which the person, um, he distinguishes that the person submits where power becomes not a matter of coercion, but a matter of desire, of something that the person wants for themselves.
0: Right. So he would say power is most effective when the other literally wants to fulfill the desire of what he calls the subject or the power broker.
1: Right. And I think, but did you have, like, I, there, there was a kind of, maybe we should go to the, the ego altar to his, yeah. because I think one thing that wasn't clear was the theory of self. He uses a theory of self, but he doesn't define it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, it, it's a very Hegelian. Kind of master slave dialectic. So the self, or it's even, you know, who else it resembles is the um, sad. But the self wants to realize, extend, continue itself into the other. So it wants to realize its desires in the other. Um, So it's a colonizing kind of self.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that way, so you, the, um, the self, I agree with your characterization, so the self kind of colonizes the other, and there's... So there's a system in which the other becomes an instrument for the self, but he calls the self sometimes the ego. So he's implicitly, implicitly, and pervasively um, uh, attacking Freud's um, idea of the the tripartite subject, or and reimagining. Um, Reimagining the self and the unconscious um, against Freud. So in some ways, his, the kind of, conf- the ambiguity about what he means when he says self, because he sometimes refers to it as self and sometimes as ego, yeah. so that the, what you described as a colonization is also a, you know, an extension of the self into the other, So that it is both, I guess my question is, is the self as he imagined it, as as Han imagines it, constituted in the act of that colonization or transfer?
0: Well, it's unfortunate that he doesn't do a little psychological detour, but I think that if he did, the self, he, see, he's, he's sort of, I think you're right, he's presenting this notion of self that he is going to, in effect, dismantle over the course of the book. But it's really an Adlerian idea of self, where it's the primal force in the individual is not the id, it is the will to power. Mm-hmm. So that's basically Adler, a student of Freud, reading Nietzsche and, and reinterpreting it. But the fundamental drive is for me to realize my desires in the other. And so that could be me crudely manipulating the other or or maybe getting the other to acquiesce to my desire. But he would say a more effective form is to get the other to actually also want my desire.
1: Yeah, so there's a kind of so he kind of explores this otherness at this fragility and kind of otherness at the heart of the self if you privilege as he does this will to power that you described. Right. right and taking it from Nietzsche and, and probably you say I think others so but so and that goes along with the idea of violence that there's both the need there's this drive to power and then that becomes a kind of dependence on the other because you need the other yeah. in order to have the object and uh, onto which you impress your Um, meanings or um, instrumentalities. Um, So you either make them a tool of your will or a believer in the kind of horizons of sense and interpretation that that he talks about later. But,
0: Well, I think those horizons of sense and interpretation are integral. He seems to be saying that if there's not some sort of shared context and I think that goes beyond the subject and the other, then power cannot realize itself. There has to be some sort of collective buy-in in, into this thing. Um,
1: yeah, but, so, but before we get to the collective, the, the self, the idea of self, I just wanna to try to get that clear. So it's like, it's like, it's both this ego, which is kind of attached to a particular person or, but it could also be attached to like the state. So like, I'm tr- I don't want to confuse things at the beginning, but it's like his idea of self is both tied to this kind of an individual in relation with the alter ego alter. I mean, ego sounds like an internal element of ourselves, right? It's a, you know, in the Freudian thing. So, <clears throat> So he's changing that a little bit, and, and, and in some ways, the self then becomes the operation of externalizing the ego in the other.
0: Yeah. In the other, uh, in the world, the world is other, I suppose. He doesn't say that. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, and so later in the text, he'll look at Freud, uh, not Freud, he'll look at Nietzsche. And I'll say that Nietzsche Nietzsche's worldview says that this is nature, that this is the, the paramecium or something. He's, he he you know he, Nietzsche quotes that it it's not always just looking for food. Its its motility is about extending itself in its environment. Um, And so he's, he, he, he seems to be saying that, well, he doesn't say this, but this, you know, he's such a political thinker, you know, it's hard to read this book and not like think in terms of politics and advertising and the colonization of others. You know, he, he, he says that the idea is a much more effective tool of colonization than the Billy club. Um, And so if your ideas dovetail with the subject of powers, then power is becoming more and more effective.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's that Nietzsche piece. So there's this, it's kind of, maybe it's it's kind of like a fractal so that we don't just have that ego alter but that that represents the drive to power that exists in the, you know in nature itself or in organisms in nature yeah um, I mean,
0: jordan Peterson, actually
1: <laughs> i mean um I don't know when to start arguing. You Maybe I'll. A... What? You,
0: mean you haven't.
1: <laughs> no, not yet. I, right now, we're just trying to get it get down. What he was, you know, like. Um. Um. So he starts out to, to, um. To set to to try to come up with. Uh, a model of um, power and he's doing it against the common understanding of power as violence and coercion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the first part of the book, the first chapter, you know, the logic of power, he goes through a series of things that we commonly associate that, that not just Um, philosophers and political theorists have thought of this power but things that we also think the way we think about power is in these ways that he describes and then he says no but this is not you know it's um, not about neutralizing the will of the other Um, not about you know coercion yeah it's Um, about,
0: about extension of the. it's a continuum It's the the self as a continuum in its environment, beyond the atomic entity. I mean, so what he says on page 10 is he goes, the alter's acceptance of the ego's decision does not need to rest on a fear in the face of a sanction. The alter's yes may affirm the ego's decision, without there being any oblique consideration of the possibility to be avoided. The power of the ego reaches its peak in the sort of emphatic yes on the part of the author. A response that does not contain a trace of a yes, all right, then.
1: Yeah. I guess... I guess the the thing that that I have to remember, or that it's like that when he says he kind of he'll say it later, but I think so. What he's doing here is in 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 one sense, in terms of developing a model of power, he's using um, individuals, like the individual power relation, like that the ego does this to the altar. So right. the model is. Uses individuals, but later, what we have is this conceptualization—a further elaboration of power, as as involving things like states. Yeah. That that he also posits as having a kind of individual um, individuality, subjectivity, and agency.
0: Yeah, he calls them supra-individual
1: right so that the same kinds of relations apply so i think it can be kind of confusing because he uses the individual as a kind of model in order to 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 display the actions that pertain mm-hmm. to power but then that same model applies to you know much bigger entities
0: States and uh, yeah, yeah. So, um... I mean, just real quick on 16, what he says exactly about that is he says, supra individual structures of power, such as a state may not rest on the will of an individual, but they also possess the constitution of a self that affirms itself. The figure of the head of state reflects the state structure as a subject. Every power space is a continuum of a self that maintains itself against another. Yeah. That that against another seems to be essential to what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, I think that this is one of the places that I wanna argue with Han because I think that this formulation, the ego alter and that that motion against um, that you called, you know, this that can take many forms, but also kind of colonization as you called it. Um, in order to come up with this kind of the this fractal model of what power is, that it that it kind of replacing that the the id. The eros with the drive to power. Um, that that is done is only possible, and if, because he does certain other things um, before doing that. So you you one thing he he he. he um, so when he uses the word internalization throughout the book, it's not internalization based on the, um, in the Freudian sense, in terms of internalizing things through the medium and the mediation of the family and family relationships so that, that there's this kind of, um, um, through that mediation, there's, there's an elaboration of both the species being of the individual, the evolution of humans um, and the unconscious and the family relations. So, all of those things, um, aggressive drives that are both kind of personal and familial, but also more related to our species being, those things are normally described, normally in here to the concept of. Um, Internalization in the Freudian sense, but when Han uses it, he's using it as a kind of the internalization of power, of the systems and relations and ideas of power. So you get it's like what 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 he leaves out are the um, the development of the human in terms of family and social relations um, and the kind of, um, it's like his self is in some ways, disattached from history because he's making this model. That's a highly abstract model. It's very, you know, modular. It's not, he's not seeing as, as because he erases, because he doesn't deal with economics and the, and what the subjects that economic relations produce. He looks at it later in the part on, on, on habit and habitus. He's looking at this habit as an effect of power. Um, as opposed to, so then power becomes the cause of habit, as opposed to habit being the effect of a series of economic reorganizations that created humans as automatons in relation to, you know, industrialization, mechanization, uh, automization of work, so his subject is is very disembodied from what he calls social relations, but what I would call economic and social relations.
0: Well, I guess I would agree that there's no anthropology in his game, right? So he's not looking at the way structures of power or mediated through time in other, you know, very different kinds of cultures. Um, but I would point out, and I know you know this, that this model of power isn't exactly, he, he ultimately doesn't agree with it. Which, wait,
1: he doesn't agree with which model?
0: The self and alterity and continuum of self, the colonization of others. He, oh,
1: he doesn't agree with it?
0: Well, I don't think so, because towards the end of the book, and maybe we should postpone this part of the conversation, when he raises the question of friendliness. He raises the question of reciprocal relationships that aren't rooted in power between human beings. I would argue that what he's talking about here, though, and I would, you know, it's funny you use the term abstract. I, mean, I think I think in a way it's abstract, because... It doesn't take in the whole picture, but on the other hand, I would I would say that you know industrialization forms of economic exploitation and disenchantment and so forth, the emergence of a Nietzsche in, in a and you know, I would say that there's there's in some sense these ideas don't tell the whole story, but they do tell the story of much of what's happening right now. I mean, the corporation cannot survive if I resist the corporation. If I don't buy the products or even become a consumer, if you will, then the corporation can't survive. So it's, it is intent on colonizing me with its desire that I buy its products. Similarly- Political narratives are you know one thing they're not really they're not really giving me anything resembling choice they they're giving me the illusion of choice but they're they're so defining the narrative that i that i'm either way i'm still realizing Still becoming an effect of the continuum of power.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. The continuum of power. So it, it's like so. He does describe the the continuum and the field in which power arises. The kind of prefigurization, the pre articulation of power arises in this continuum so that you have this which he, he describes at various places as a, a you know a continuum and a field and with less frequency I mean but at least once a kind of network. Um, so you have the conditions which are there, the collective conditions which are there, which, which which are utilized to give shape to certain forms of power, which organizes the, the collective and organizes thought. So it organizes perception, thought, and action.
0: And when um, it's collective, it actually dictates the terms of response to power
1: and what was what was what dictates the terms
0: when when the, the 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 field is so defined by power it also dictates the terms of the resistance to power
1: yeah right and so so you're can you elaborate i'm thinking that, that that makes sense in terms of the Hegelian dynamic or whatever. Um, So in a way you're saying that you have power that not only imposes the, the kind of will or shape on things, but that that also determines the shape of resistance. Um, I would just add Piers, that I think that the model, it becomes clear in in chapter two that the model that he's developing incorporates the idea of the mass of the common as in, in articulating a kind of historical um, um, elaboration of different forms of power, right? From sovereign power to um, legal power to disciplinary power. So we have these three kind of moments of power or, or three different kinds of forms of power. In articulating that those forms that roughly fall in a kind of historical line, but still different forms can exist in the same time. Yes, for
0: sure. That,
1: that he also, he relies on the original concept of self other or ego alter in which the fundamental dynamic is one of submission. Yes. So that but I
0: don't. Is that? That's right, but I don't think he ultimately agrees with it. Hmm. He does not, you know. He's not, he's not, you know. There's many many psychologists would say, and spiritual thinkers, what have you, that the self is constituted in, individually.
1: Yeah.
0: Constituted through a relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: He says something somewhat parallel to that when he says power is mediated through context and sometimes these are language context and networks but i think when we get to friendliness at the end he's saying well that's not the entire story but it may be illuminating of the exercise of power in the contemporary neoliberal globalized world
1: well I mean, I think when he gets to the end and he talks about friendliness, that is more of the Nietzsche that I recognize. So he comes around. So I'm. I see how you. You're saying that he, that he, took up and questioned this idea of, um, of ego alter and submission to the will of the other, to the the the, the will to power in a way. So you're saying that he. Took this up and abandoned it via the idea of friendliness,
0: but not even friendliness. We can get to that, but he's critiquing. So he's 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 he's, an, he's a if you look what he's doing, he's a continental philosopher who's effectively critiquing uh, Heidegger, Nietzsche, Hegel. Uh, the jurist Carl Schmidt, Foucault, um, and they're all and, and those people seem to be all in dialogue with one another about power as well. And so he's sort of critiquing a whole tradition but it's you know, it's against this sort of implicit backdrop of 2020 and, and, and neoliberalism. Um, well,
1: I mean but power. he yeah. But he wrote it and, I mean, it was published in 2005 originally.
0: Yeah, but you, you, you get my point. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm reading it as 2020. Oh.
1: Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I get that and I applaud, you know, as we're, as you're reading, as I'm reading, I'm like, I agree with his takedown of those people in the ways that, you know, as you're reading, you I, I, I found myself going, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Um, especially, so like the the idea of power being repressive, and that that has certain effects. So he traces that. I think it was from Hegel to Freud to Reich. Is that right?
0: Yeah, he mentions Reich.
1: Um, so he it's very short. He doesn't like he's not he he doesn't because argue that- with.
0: Go ahead.
1: He doesn't argue with Freud directly, but I agree with. There's certain. So I think you're right. He 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 argues with all of those people and says that they're not quite right. Um. What was it? And so I agree. And it's also a kind of. It's a. It's a. It's a critique of. Of the things that you said. It's also a critique, in a way, of romanticism of the. You know this. That whole complex—the idea of the individual who is repressed, and to be free means to um, to, to go out and express the individual, you know, complexity, artistic, and um, yeah. So he's saying that that those acts of individual creation and expression and stuff like that are still enfolded in the continuum of Power and sense that pertain. Yeah.
0: Um, Maybe we should go ahead. Go ahead. I was just thinking we should maybe visit just briefly what he means by semantics of power. Okay. Um, And so he starts talking about um, the use of signs and words as the semantics of power. He gets into law. and he goes, um among 30, the second technology of power, the power of civil law, uses a special system of signs. And then he quotes somebody, it is the mind, or rather a play of representations and signs circulating discreetly, but not necessarily and evidently in the minds of all, end quote. Power produces its effects by letting signs and ideas circulate. It's not the sword, but the pen that produces the law. This power does not manifest itself as coercive force, but of coercive certainty. Um, And then he he says that these, these ideas are not eruptive. The pen depends on mediation, and disciplinary speaks a differentiated language. That's on 32. Um, it wants to become second nature rather than to hurt. It works with norms or normalities, but not with a sword. And so now we're into this idea that language, you know, that seems to be much related to this idea of context too, that we're in these, you know, as Wittgenstein or something would say, we're in these language games, and that we acquiesce to them and participate in them. And then at some point we take them for granted. And that's when power can start really manifesting itself because you've got all the buy-in. So I think it makes a crucial step here away from violent coercive power to tacit power or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, Um, but I agree. But even in the way that you were summarizing and characterizing this section, you do the same thing that he does which is the idea that the, the, the power is in some senses reified here so that it becomes the agent of action. And in some senses, that's true because you're, that, that it's, he's looking at how, at how power operates. So in some sense, you're, you know, he and we have to look at it as an agent, as a productive agent. Produces these things. But at the same time, there's a, in the same section on um, page 31, um, so again, here he's in that part, he's in that section where he's mapping that transition from, or the differences between sovereign power, civil law, and disciplinary power. Um, And when he's discussing Foucault and Disciplinary power. Now, some of this may be a confusion because it's hard to tell when he's critiquing another and when he is presenting and when he agrees. Yeah, I
0: don't think he agrees many places in this whole book, ultimately.
1: But I still think that it's in the way that he talks about it, in that, that, say, when he's discussing Foucault disciplinary power um, on page thirty one. Um, so power moves from being, you know, an eruptive force using coercion and terror and punishment as the drama of that that represents the sovereign's power to the civil law, which is more mediated and operates in the realm of reason and -hmm. the continuum of ideas and law functions as as this signifying system. So now we get the punishment, not as the mark of the power of the sovereign to wound, but as a lesson. So I think we're all with Foucault and Han up to
0: that point. But then um... Well, at that point, he follows Foucault into, then it enters into the body through the disciplinary forms. So you up on time and you leave at a certain time and you literally move your body in ways in conformity with all
1: Right, so he says on the bottom of page 31, disciplinary power, the third technology of power enters deeper into the subject than wounds or ideas. It enters into the inside of the body, so to speak, where it leaves its traces and thereby creates habitual routines. It is meant to operate as discreetly and subtly as the power of the penal code, yet more immediately without taking a detour via ideas. Disciplinary power depends more on reflexes and less on reflection. Foucault derives the birth of the prison from this disciplinary power, which no longer aims at restoring the judicial subject, but at shaping the obedient subject by way of the training of behavior. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that this discussion of Foucault leads into his discussion of the field, the 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 common uh, mass of humanity, the the common they, um, and that it. But what he is positing as an effect of power here, that power wants to create obedient subjects and stuff mm. like that. That he's re- he's misrepresenting the origin of the kind of. Of the development of 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 this technology of power that he's describing, so that I would say rather than being that using his kind of ideas that power is this kind of force with agency, and so it, it found a, a way. He, he's saying in a way that power found a way to be more effective, more intensely mediated in moving from the sovereign power to the penal code to the disciplinary power. So he's tracing it as if, you know, that way. But I'm saying that the, 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 the disciplinary power arose in very particular set of historical um, forces and events so that that process of, of creating um habits was enforced produced in bodies in in working bodies in factories that's where it became necessary
0: no i don't i don't think him not talking about that invalidates much because if if you remember in psychopolitics he traces all this stuff and then he eventually sort of talks about Globalization as power as being capital, and capital now being so uh, freed from regulation that even even the hedge fund guy is at the mercy of the, you know. So I I think his thinking at least this very much maybe appears his way of reading his thinking is he's exploring how. Power concentrated and concentrated and through capitalism, eventually, you know, this thing you're talking about, this free subject of power, maybe saying that's where this was all moving towards.
1: Well, now- I I because I just suspect, i I I, I fear and wonder if the way he's thinking about power um, is, um, how to say this, that in-
0: You think it's abstract from economics?
1: Totally. I mean, I don't, in other words, I think there's a distaste even in him a kind of nostalgia for a for a pre capitalist self um, and for sovereign agency because of the model of power because of the remnants of that 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 sovereign power in the model and in the way of thinking <clears throat> that there's a kind of nostalgia. If you, if you posit that the, 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 the fundamental relation of power or nature of the self being the will to power, then you have to value that form of sovereign power. Although it's less mediated, it's the most direct. So I'm just saying there's a little bit of, I just, I think that, I think that he might not be. I mean, I think in this book, he might not be as um, this theory of power might might very well work along with the um, with globalization. Is it?
0: I think that's what he's saying. I mean, I I guess I would push back pretty vigorously on the idea that he's got some sort of nostalgia some earlier form of power because really there's nothing in this book that's even making reference to some kind of pre-enlightenment time. Um, To me, it feels like a very... And then, and I guess, guess, you know, in the interest of time too, I think... um, one of the places where he kind of begins to show what he really thinks is actually in the next chapter, which I thought was the best chapter, the metaphysics of power, where um, he really begins to talk about concepts that are contrary to this. So he, on 56, he starts talking about Religion is being based on an experience of one's limitedness. Um, And he goes, the experience on the bottom of 56, the experience of finitude and of limitedness is not necessarily situated at the level of power. The limitedness of human existence need not be that of power. The experience of limited power is only one possible form of the experience of human finitude suffering from finitude may just as well take the form of suffering from the limit that separates me from the other. And then that can only be overcome by the creation of a specific continuity. The continuity that overcomes the separating limit has another structure than the continuity of self that is produced by power. And then he goes on and he talks. that's when he first introduced uh. Religious being unto infinity and to the limitless may no doubt be charged with a desire for limitless power, with a boundless will to power, but it is not based on such a desire. Religion at its roots is deeply peaceful, it's friendliness. So, I mean, in a way, I feel like he articulates, maybe I'm presumptuous here, he articulates some of your objections there.
1: Well, I'm not sure... We don't have to stay with my objections, but I do. But I do. I think that even this kind of um, it's. I think he does come back here, and you like to this. Okay, so maybe what is outside the field of power what's possible outside the field of power so he's saying that there's so what's the difference between this and and um animism what's the difference between this and um because even this piers i would argue is in the, again, what he left out is important because in leaving out, um, say, reproduction, like the actual development of language and, and, and social relations, like, and that leaving out women, essentially, that his notion of friendliness and this kind of, way of being with another that recognizes suffering and finitude in some senses outside of the relations of the will to power and submission and state power and stuff like that, that this formulation kind of like Foucault in in avoiding the, the species, the embodiedness of human life and human um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can only imagine, but you're saying he doesn't believe in the will to power as being constitutive of the self and the world the way that he characterized Nietzsche as thinking it. You're saying that he... I'm
0: saying that he thinks that these ideas are circulating and that are influential and that are in some sense instantiated in the world but he's saying it's far from everything and that there's, and I wouldn't say that, you know, you use the term outside. I don't think the spirit of friendliness is outside of anything.
1: Yeah.
0: Coexistent with all this stuff. And I would argue I'm putting words in his mouth that he might even say that it's, uh, prior and, and more real. Um, the thing about, um, Uh, embodiment um, I I just think you know I I, I don't know that he's even really I I just don't I don't know I I don't read him that way so on the very last page of the book when he's really pushing back on Nietzsche um He's talking, he starts talking about the other of power. This is interesting. So he says, even where power in its overabundance expresses itself as unconditional hospitality, it borders on the other of power. It has then become a kind of overpower, which contains a singular self-suspension of power within itself. From it emanates that limitless giving which cannot be reappropriated by the return to oneself by the willing of oneself. A giving that takes place, so to speak, unconsciously and without intention, a boundless friendliness that precedes any care for the other, precedes any emphatic for the other. Um, And then it's so, you know, he gets very ironic when he quotes this this thing about Nietzsche and the autumn and the mild sunlight, the fruit falls off a tree without help from the wind. In perfect silence and happy it falls down. It does not desire anything for itself and it gives everything of itself. And to me, that's like him being, you know, saying, you know, Nietzsche kind of actually might have unconsciously have thought that, you know. And, just, and I see that as actually embodiment. It's the gift of being.
1: Yeah, that's being. That's is It's being as a as in that sense, it's
0: ontological.
1: Yeah. And, and that, that, and like I said, I mean, that's how I, I mean, I think that that Nietzsche makes more sense to me than the will to power Nietzsche. And he, but I mean, he, he, um, So it's kind of like, there's a recognition there of a kind of being and possibility that it's like the unorganized part of the field. It's like possibility. So there's this kind of field of possibility of human relations that is that that part is as yet unorganized into, um, so in that sense, it's a—it's not out, it's not exactly outside, but it's not, it's not yet organized. Um,
0: or should it be organized, it would stop being itself.
1: Um, but this, I mean, then to read it in terms of, of now, this is exactly what is under threat from artificial intelligence and blockchain, because we have the blockchain, you know, trying to literally account for every single thing right, on right. the planet. Um, so to bring that all into the domain of of power and exchange and wealth creation.
0: Yes, and also um, colonizing all interior spaces as well.
1: Yes. Um, so. Um, before that part that you quoted, Pierce, he says, he's talk, on page 95, he's talking about, who is he quoting? Oh, he's quoting Nietzsche here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Nietzsche knows very well what, ho- what a hospitality that follows the economy of the self looks like. Hospitality. Uh, the meaning of the usage of hospitality is the paralyzing of enmity in the stranger. Where the stranger is no longer felt to be first and foremost an enemy, hospitality decreases. It flourishes as long as its evil presupposition flourishes. Um, Friendliness is not a a property intrinsic to power. Rather, power has to be touched by something that is not part of itself in order to be able to mediate beyond the means of its own capacity for mediation. Friendliness is also a type of mediation, even an intense form of mediation, but it lacks the intentionality of power, namely the tip of subjectivity. The friendly sight differs from the sight of power in that it does not perceive what is isolated or what is adjacent exclusively from the perspective of the continuity of the one, but also lets it shine in its suchness. Yeah. Friendliness orient orientates beyond orientation based on power. Right. Thus, it does not create any off-sites. <clears throat> it counteracts the de-siting from which power is never entirely safe. Okay, so, so he's positing this. In psychopolitics, he posited play um, and idiocy as forms of, you know, he plausibly and well posited those two things as forms of resistance to or undermining of power. Um, so that outside the, the continuum of sense, the, what, what will appear, it, you know, these statements or actions will appear, will appear as nonsense. The regime of sense, as related to powers, so I guess totalizing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so here he's adding the third thing, of which is really four things. I mean, two things, which is friendliness and 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 kind of being itself. And in that way,
0: its safety
1: Yeah, and and the being.
0: Um, the givenness of being the the
1: givenness of being and but I, I guess that too because he looks at sense and knowledge you know for him sense and knowledge I guess for perception habit and kind of epistemological and hermeneutic Practices are always related to power, or, or form part of the articulations of power or manifestations of power. Then, what is the self in 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 in, in that beingness?
0: Well, I think he would say that it's reciprocal. It's relational. It's, I mean, he sort of ends at a beginning, you know. It reminds me of um, Simone Weil once said that um, evil had to do with trying to eat that which should only be beheld, and she was referring to beauty. Yeah, so there's some gesture of ownership or control or having or having it to the exclusion of others. And he's saying you know, he's yeah, that there's something about in the fabric of existence that actually eludes that. I would say this conversation, despite the fact that it's mediated through this device. Actually, eludes that. Even though, if we're following the will to power argument, so much of our ideas and thoughts and what we're bringing to the conversation are, um, you know, have been mediated. It's power mediated. So that there's a. Coexistence of these things.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think so. I I, 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 agree. I, 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 I just.
0: What's what this means is, we have to read another Han book, <laughs> 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 much to your chagrin.
1: No, no, I, I, I think it gets. Um, it's interesting to see. When did he? Psychopolitics is much later.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I wish I made note of that. I didn't.
1: Um, but. Um. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to start to get to know a thinker like this and start to be able to put their their books in, you know, in in relation that way. Um, um, And, you know, and I think. I'll, I'll I'll try to kind of articulate. I know he just set out to, you know, I think he did what he set out to do. Now we're finding the limits of language and sense in terms of articulating how friendliness forms a space in which other things happen. Um, and beingness, or, you know, that, that nature or the things as they are, Forms a, a a a space, so he's kind of differentiating power spaces and non-power spaces. Um, so, um, I guess part of this might just be a structural thing in the in in going out in, in setting out to discuss power. At the end, the the non, you know non. Power spaces are suggested um, rather than again kind of defined. Yeah, but that no, makes
0: I think that's totally true. Yeah,
1: but it makes sense given what he's saying. I mean, and that's where Nietzsche ended up too. I mean, it's like, how do you, if you want to try to get outside of systems of meaning and systems of power, you're you have to be kind of undermining your own habits of thought and perception.
0: Right, which, you know, his choice of the word suchness, you know, that's that's the essence of Buddhism. Um, that it's not going to happen through any kind of dialectical thinking. It's going to happen through a certain... practice or use of your intention or orientation or something. Um.
1: See his theory of consciousness and his theory of power have the same shape. So you have the field. So imagine a kind of, you know, a circle kind of like that. And then you have this, this vertical thing, the sphere, or so the, the point, this sometimes is the point of reason or the orientation point or whatever, but he's always imagining this kind of field and then some kind of vertical axis.
0: Yeah, and, I, and, and, and identifying that as really male, I think it's totally appropriate. But I would also say that the friendliness thing is actually is this, meaning this is all these dimensions of power and this it's friendliness thing is not
1: They're not, right, they're not but such. it but it remains as ambiguous as being or suchness in the sense that, given how he's described power, how do you achieve friendliness? Now I see. I I <laughs> like. What was that? It's
0: called well, the eightfold path. <clears throat> I'm just being a wise ass. The thing, the thing that we have to do, though, is we have to agree to continue the conversation because we're running out of time. Melanie, this has been a real pleasure, and I want to do it again and again.
1: Nice talking to you, Piers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us. For more information, you can find us at resistancerecovery.com.